0: How's everybody doing? You guys um, a little forklamped uh, from from Christmas. It's uh, it's quite a quite a hectic holiday, and uh, it's been nice to be able to go through it. And um, I think many of you know. If you don't, uh, my dad passed away on December sixteenth, and uh, I just wanna I just wanna thank uh, so many people. Uh, you know it—it's it, amazing, and this is this is what church is supposed to be, is that we support one another. And uh, it's too late to get support when, when something happens, and and you have not built relationships within within a church. But for me, it—you it, know—after years of being a part of this church for thirteen years, I just have so many people, and and many of you are them people that. That uh, sent me a text or put on Facebook or called me or whatever, just to just say that we 're praying, and, and many of you didn 't respond, but but you prayed anyway because you knew that there was a need and, and um, me and my family, we appreciate that and, and we sensed the prayer we were, we were held up in prayer. It was a very, very difficult time, and you know i was I was out with my dad for uh, for about eight days. Uh, before he passed, and uh, I was basically his hospice nurse at that point and giving him his medicines and making sure that he was comfortable. And it, it, was, a, it was a very painful thing. And, uh, you know, I think that there's probably some people here that, that are going through mourning as well. And uh, I think that some of the things that I have to share today are really tempered with that understanding. And and so I just pray that God would speak to us today. Uh, not, not a message of mourning, but a message of hope, a message of life, a message of the fact that we gain the greatest when we lose everything for the sake of the gospel. And so I just want to pray one more time and just invite the Lord to speak. Lord, we just... Pray, God, that you would now just meet us right where we're at. You know exactly where each person in this room is at. You know what they need. And you so desire to fill them with your spirit and give them life. You came to give life and give it abundantly. And right now, we just proclaim life in the name of Jesus Christ. The life that is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, not just for eternity, but for today. Today, you have life for us. You have peace for us. You have joy for us. In the midst of whatever trials or whatever circumstances we're in, you have paid the price that we could have life today. And so we just receive eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ah, there we go. I don't have the slides up on this. Is it possible to get them? Then I can keep track of them. Thanks, Ben. So don't you hate losing things? Because that's what my sermon is about, losing Jesus. Don't you, don't you hate losing things? You do? The, the older I get, the more I lose. How about you? You're not getting older? <laughs> you know, I, 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 we used to go to Florida because I'm a good Jew, so I went to Florida every... <laughs> Every winter, you know, and that's what good Jews do. It's like birds flying south, Jews fly to Florida. And they're on airplanes, though. And in Florida, the, uh, uh, the older people, they ha- you know someone's old because they have a tennis ball on their antenna. And you know that they're old because they have a car with an antenna. Right, because there's no such things anymore, really. But they and everybody, I just thought it was so innovative. For especially, I remember in the 70s and 80s, everybody had their tennis ball on the antenna that that reminded them that it was their car. (laughs) And uh, because they always lost their car, and uh, I remember I lost my car not too long ago. I was in I was in City Creek Center, Cynthia and I, and we went to an event. And uh, we came back from the event, and I knew exactly where we parked. And and I knew exactly the location. I could see it in my mind, and, and it wasn't there. So we have a way to, you know, we can click our car, and that sound can prompt us to go like a dog to find the car, right? And And so... I'm clicking it, and I said, there it is. And so we walked to it, and it's not there. And I click it again. I said, no, I think the sound's coming from over there. And we we go over there, and it's not there. And we did it for about 10 minutes, and then I realized it was on the floor above us. (laughs) Right above us, there was our car. You know, I'm so glad that there's Find My iPhone, aren't you? (laughs) And, and, and now there's find my friends, you know, you can find your friends. We know exactly where our kids are at any given time. It's not to control them, but it is a nice thing. <laughs> and, and now I think that we should invent something else. It's called find my thoughts so that, so that we can remember where our thoughts are. Wouldn't it be nice if, our, if Siri could tell us what we were thinking when we forgot? I would just love that. It would be my favorite thing. I remember once losing Hannah at a Greek festival and being afraid that she was going to be rolled up in a Euro when I found her <laughs> in this giant, uh, big festival, Greek festival, just missing her and being afraid of it. But uh, probably the one of the funnier times that I've lost my car was, uh, we're going to watch a video in a sec here, is uh, I, was, I was at Costco this year and, th- and preparing for the sermon on losing Jesus and um, And you know, I know exactly I, I hate losing my car and and so, when I got out of Costco, the most disorienting place in the universe, I, I come out and I have my basket and i 'm pushing it around and and uh, uh, for ten minutes i 'm looking for my car. Finally, I decide, that's it. I'm going to take my things out because I'm embarrassed that I'm pushing this basket around so long. And I'm just going to carry them. I know I'm going to find my car. Finally, about five minutes later, the things are getting too heavy, and I ask the guy over here, can I use your basket after you're done? So I put everything in the basket. I'm pushing it around, and I realize that I'm I'm talking about losing Jesus. And here I am. I lost my car once again. And This is the video. This is real. Okay. I can't find my car. I'm in the Costco parking lot two days before I Talk about losing Jesus and I can't find my car Where is it? I thought it was up this aisle And I know I parked in a really good spot. I was really happy with my car and now I can't find it What did I do with it? Is that the strangest thing to lose a car? I've had it for 20 years. I don't know okay let's see if it's up this aisle I don't know I don't see it here we go did you see my car no (laughs) she didn't see it either I know it's here somewhere (laughs) oh gosh okay this is embarrassing there it is! What is it doing here? I had no idea i I'd put my car here. Phew! I found it. That was real, you guys. <laughs> is that your life, too? I just want to know, is anybody, can anybody relate so I don't feel like I'm totally <laughs> senile? Oh, good. Today we're talking about losing Jesus. Jesus didn't really get lost, but we can lose sight of Jesus, right? Actually, he did get lost in one of these in particular uh, examples that I'm going to use, but... We're talking about losing sight of Jesus, all right? And uh, I think this often happens to us. It happens in our circumstances. I just think about the circumstances uh, that I, I just experienced in December. You know, we had just spent Thanksgiving with my dad because we were feeling like this might be the last one, and just out of the blue, bam, there he is, just on the verge of dying and unable to move and not knowing what to do, and it's just so... It's easy to lose sight of Jesus in circumstances like that. Can you guys relate? It's easy to lose sight in busyness, like the holidays. You know, even though this holiday is all about Jesus, it is rarely about Jesus. Because we are so busy running around feeling that we have to meet some obligation or some expectation, whether it's personal or, or put upon us by someone else or put upon us by the media. We, we have to keep busy and do the things that we're doing in order to uh, satisfy something. The busyness, we lose sight of Jesus. Or in our distractions, the toys that we have, the ideas that we have, the jobs that we have, the desires that we have, we can lose sight of Jesus in the busyness of our lives and the distractions of our lives. And, you know, you might say, you might object and say, hey, I'm a Christian. I go to church every week. I read the Bible. I pray. I don't, I don't lose sight of Jesus. And I, I want to tell you, as, as someone who's been a Christian for 40 years and a pastor, that, that every problem I have is related to losing sight of Jesus and not realizing it. Every single problem I have is related to that. And so I thought it would be a good thing to talk about. Does it sound like a good idea to you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I want to bring up three examples that we're going to look at of, um, of losing Jesus, and, and then we'll uh, talk and allow the Lord to minister to us as, as just as a church. So the first is uh, losing Jesus in relationship. Losing Jesus in relationship. And, and the story here is, uh, is, um, is Mary and Joseph. So, so let's read it. Every year, his parents went up, Jesus' parents went up to Jerusalem for the feast, for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it, thinking he was in their company, They traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among the relatives. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was trying to say to them. When he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. The tradition of families during this time period was, and it was really the command of God in the word of God, was that during Passover, during Pentecost, and during the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jewish families would pilgrimage uh, every year, three times a year to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate uh, as a whole congregation. And uh, can, you, can you imagine uh, Mary and Joseph when they discovered that Jesus was missing? Can you imagine Joseph? Mary, what did you do? You lost the Son of God? Oy vey, what is he going to say? <laughs> I mean, what a, what a terrible thing, right? Then He lost the Son of God. Can you, can you just imagine? I mean, I thought I'd done some bad things in my day, but you lose the Son of God, that's rough, you know? Three days they were looking. Three days. The the more you know someone, though, the less you have to look for them. You kind of know where they're at. Like Eric Van Rie. Everybody knows where he's at. He's at the Village Inn. (laughs) Right? He's at the Village Inn because he loves to work there. Either that or Starbucks. So it says that... uh, they found him in the temple courts, and everyone that heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. I think everyone was getting a picture of who Jesus was, and, except Mary and Joseph. They, they knew he was special, but they didn't know exactly who he was. And, and, and that's pretty clear by, by Jesus talking with Mary and Joseph and so saying, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be? In my father's house? If you knew me, you would know that. You would know where I had to be. You wouldn't have had to search for me. If I was missing, you would know exactly where I was. That's what he's saying. So how how did they lose Jesus here? It says, thinking he was in their company. And this is one of the dangers that we have as Christians, too. We think that God is in our company. We presume his presence. We presume his presence. Just because we're in church, we presume that we're now present with God. You get what I'm saying? Even even believe it or not, you could sit in, in the same place every day like I do and have my quiet time, and I could sit and I could be presuming the presence of God without the presence of God truly being there because I did not invite the presence of God in. I didn't open myself to the presence of God. I didn't welcome God there. I'm just mindlessly doing what I'm supposed to do. Have you ever done that? I do it all the time. It's a dangerous thing to do. Another example of this is uh, Jesus talking to Philip uh, later on. Jesus uh, answered Philip, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Is after his resurrection. So you could be around Jesus without being In his presence. I just want to encourage you this year, you guys, as we move into this year, that you demand of yourselves, you command of yourselves that you would be in the presence of God, that you would contend for nothing less except the presence of God in your life. Don't presume that he is there. Because you're probably wrong. The whole idea of presumption is that, well, he's always been there before. He's probably there now. And, and uh, I'm just going to expect that it's happening. And I'm not saying you have to work for this. There's no work involved. All you have to do is say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit today. And don't presume that you don't need to do that again in 2 hours and 3 hours and 4 hours. The presence of God is so precious. We must contend for it. We must contend for it. But Mary and Joseph, they did not understand. That's what it says. They did not understand. They did not get it who Jesus was. And when you don't Understand the presence of God and who Jesus truly is. You don't have relationship. You know, I, I hope I don't get in trouble by saying this, but you know, it's it, it's um, it, se- it seems like a lot of times in counseling, I've I've heard many women, not all, say, "I just wish you knew me." <laughs> Right? I didn't get in trouble, did I? No? That is an important thing. Because that's saying something. When you know someone, you're in relationship with them. You're in relationship with them. Mary and Joseph did not understand because they did not know Jesus for who he really was. Fight. Fight for this relationship daily. I'm reminded of, I share this uh, often because I just think it's so so important. Is uh, when, when Cynthia and I got married, we went on a, a trip on a ship, which was fun. And there was this lady on the ship who was um, um, an elderly lady with a dog, which is an unusual thing on a ship to have a dog. You usually don't bring animals with you. But she actually lived on the ship. She was very wealthy. She lived on the ship. And she called us over. She could see that we were honeymooners. And she called us over and said, are you honeymooners? And we said, yeah. <laughs> and, and she said, oh, that's so sweet, honey. I want to tell you something. Would you like to hear something? And we said, yeah. <laughs> and, we, and, and she said, I, I just want to tell you this, this little secret that me and my, my husband I've had all these years, and, and that was to love each other more today than we did yesterday. And we realized what she was saying is that there was a purposeful desire to be present in that love each and every day, each and every day. So I encourage you to do that. It's been a blessing for our marriage. We, we use that theme on a regular basis in our lives to remember that and to, to practically express that in different ways. Would be, is a great way for your marriage, but it is also phenomenal for your walk with the Lord. So the second is losing Jesus in relationship. Losing Jesus in relationship. Oh, in, in Revelation, sorry. Revelation. You know, uh, Jesus is the Logos, the word of God. He is the living word of God. And it, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is who Jesus is. And, and then it says in John 1, 14, the word became flesh. So I'm setting, I'm setting ourselves up for a situation where the word of God was lost. It's a pretty profound situation that happened in the Old Testament. In the days of, of King Josiah, he had he had been reigning for eighteen years, and he was making great reforms in in the jewish culture and and, and it, it seemed like us Jews, although we like to to think of ourselves as being god 's chosen people, really stopped choosing God on a regular basis and and that isn 't a good thing and we, we didn 't live in the presence of god we didn 't contend for the presence of God and when that happens. Uh, that presence diminishes and diminishes in our lives. Things get darker and darker in our lives, and it came to a point where where things were pretty bad. But Josiah came along. He started making some reforms, and and then he decided he was going to restore the temple. And this is what it says: he sent he sent two of uh, several of his workers to his assistants to the temple. Hilkiah the high priest. Uh, said to Saphon, the secretary, who were sent by Josiah, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And he gave it to Saphon, who read it. And then Saphon, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have put out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. And then Saphon, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah the high priest, has given me a book. And safe and read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes as a point of mourning. As a point of mourning. This is a very profound situation. Here is the temple of God that was built according to pattern in the word of God. For the word of God. And yet, the word of God got lost in the temple. You have to understand the ramifications of this because what it says is is that no one had the word of God and no one even thought of the word of God. No one even thought that there was a word of God at this point until it was discovered. It wasn't like they were saying, gee, we misplaced the word of God. Let's find it. They had not realized it was missing. That's how you lose God. That's how you lose revelation in your life. How do you lose God's book in God's house? That's pretty profound, isn't it? When you think about it. But it's the same thing. I mean, you can, you can lose God right here in your chair, right here. And I'm not saying you can lose your salvation. You can't. But you can, you can lose the power and presence of Jesus Christ in your life by forgetting that you have the availability of that and the promise of it and the desire of God to give it to you every single day. It's for you. It's for me. And he tore his robes. It wasn't um, just a few days ago that as a point of mourning uh, in the Jewish temple where my dad's service was that we tore a representative ribbon that we wore on our, on our jackets as a sign of mourning. And he tore his robe because he mourned the fact that he hadn't even realized that the word of God was lost. But he also tore it in remembering that now here it is again. Amen. They had found the word of God and they were transformed by it. They were transformed by it. But before they were transformed by it, because they had forgotten it, several things had happened. And this happens to us as well. The first is that that, uh, religion can really really seek in. Oops, sorry, I didn't, didn't forward that for you. What happens when we lose Jesus in Revelation is religion. Religion happens. Outside actions without the heart. This was the the Jewish culture of the day. How could they possibly? It was very clear that it was just outside actions by the complete abandonment of the temple and the lack of worship that took place there until Josiah started reforming things and the word of God was discovered once again. In Isaiah 29, 13 says... these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship, their worship of me is made up of only rules taught by men. Now this is a description of Israel, but it can be a description of us. Should we not choose to walk and receive the revelation of God that is found in the word of God each and every day? so important for us. Another thing that happens is deception. Deception. We have new authorities in our life because the word of God has stopped becoming that authority. Maybe it's a a, um, honorary authority in our life, but it is not the authority in our life. We do not come to it every day to get our daily bread. And again, I'm not trying to be legalistic here. I hope you hear my heart, is that when you get your daily bread from God, you, ha- you thrive in your life. And this is God's desire for us. Amen? Colossians 2 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ, the living Logos. And that's exactly what happens. If, 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 if God is not actively speaking to us each and every day, believe me, there are forces in your life that are. And you will hear them. And they will affect you whether you want them to or not. Amen. And so you must receive the word of God. What does it say about the word of God? The word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I need that. I need living word of God in my life. I need the word of God to pour life in me. I need the word of God to be actively working in my soul because my soul needs restoration each and every day. Yes? I need the sharp nature of the word of God to come in. And to, and to cut away those things that don't belong, those things that I don't need, those sins that are causing me pain. I need the sharpness of the word of God. I need the judgment of the word of God because I am not a good judge of myself. The word of God is a much better judge. I am way too nice on myself. How about you? <laughs> And so I need the word of God to judge my heart because I don't like judging my own heart. I would like to judge my own heart. And when I do, I'm always mistaken as to what's going on in there. (laughs) And so we need the word of God to speak to us, to judge our hearts, not in a condemning way, but to show us, ah, you need to grow in this area in a loving, kind way that is the Lord's heart for each one of us. We need the word of God to be living, active, sharp, penetrating, and judging in our lives. How does the word of God get lost in the temple? A very simple daily forgetting. You know the frog in the kettle? You know this example? If you throw a frog in boiling water, it's gonna jump out because it's oh, hot. Hot. And he realizes this is not a good situation to be in. But if you put a frog in cool water and just gently turn up the heat until it becomes a boil, he will not jump out. And that's where we're stuck a lot of times. When we do not allow the living word of God to bring revelation in our lives every day, we will one day be surprised what has happened. And thank God for the grace of God. Because like Josiah, the word of God will be rediscovered. We could tear our clothes and we could come back into that powerful relationship with God himself. If that's you today, if you have not looked on the word of God as something that that needs to be transformative in your life every day, Jesus, the living word, then know that today is your opportunity. Today, just like Josiah, you can tear your clothes and mourn the fact that you did not live like that and now celebrate the grace of God and come in once again to experience the revelation and the transformation of the power of God in your life. The last thing that we want to look at is redemption, losing Jesus' redemption. And this is uh, Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister had left to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. That's me. (laughs) But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. This is a picture of two postures. Picture of two postures. At Jesus' feet or working hard. At Jesus' feet, working hard. This is me. I am the working hard guy. I have to constantly be reminded to go from this side to this side because this is the place that Jesus said is the most important place at Jesus' feet. We live in a busy, busy world. If you talk to anybody, they'll tell you they're busy. It is almost a point of identity. And I realized that with myself, and I had to stop saying that I was busy because I use that as a point of self-affirmation sometimes. It's like, I'm busy. Oh, good. I must be doing good things. But that is not the case. Jesus said, sit at my feet. And I realized that that busyness is, in some part, an expression of my feeling like I have to do something to make God like me, to make God feel like I'm acceptable. I have to do something. And I forget that the redemption of God is for me. I forget that it is only by the blood of Jesus Christ that we are forgiven that our righteous acts are as rags, filthy rags before God. And it is his grace alone that saves us. What does distracted by preparations make you? Worried and upset. That was Mary, worried and upset. I'm like that many times. But Mary chose the better, sitting at the feet of Jesus, just being with him, Now, that doesn't mean you don't do things in your life. You're going to do things. But contending for the presence of God, being in his presence, knowing him, is without a doubt the most important thing in your life. There is nothing more important. Your job isn't as important. Your family isn't as important. Your wife or husband aren't as important as being in the presence of God. Nothing is as important. And then, of course, there's a whole slew of frivolous things that the world has decided is important, like a house and a nice car and a good job and all these things we think are as important, but they're not. This is it. This is it. It's the presence of God being with him. Don't you think this is an important thing to remember as we end this year and begin another? Mary chose the better. Religious activity and zeal will get you nowhere, it'll just make you busy and zealous. Be in the presence of God choose it. Oh, but I don't have any time. You don't know my schedule. It's so busy. I have to be at work at this time and the kids and this and that. Find the time to be with Jesus Christ. And your life will never be the same. This is the year to decide that you're going to be in the presence of Jesus and you're going to contend for it no matter what. No matter what gets in the way, move it out of the way. No matter what, be with Jesus. It is the most precious thing and it is the most proactive thing that you could do. If you're someone who needs to feel like you're accomplishing something, the most accomplished thing you could do is be with the living God. That's it. Those of you that are type A personalities, this is it. Be with Jesus, be in his presence. So, there are a few things that, that help us to remember that we need to do this in our lives. And they have to do with circumstances, most of them. One is change. Change has a way. Nobody likes change. And uh, change makes us uncomfortable usually. And when th- when things start changing, we we start realizing that we need God more, right? Yeah. And so... Change can be very helpful. I remember when we, when we moved here from, from California 13 years ago, we moved with no promise of income and didn't receive one for, for several years and we believed God and, and change was the best thing to have us need God every day. And I'm not saying make change for change's sake, but when change happens, embrace it. Because there's something that God wants to use that change for in your life. And that is recognizing that you need his presence to be able to accomplish that change. The comfort of a lack of change is is something that keeps us static in our lives and in our relationship with the Lord as well. The next are trials. My dad was a great example of this. I, I just had a, you know, he drove me to my knees all the time, my dad, because I, I don't know where, what his spiritual uh, final decision was. I tried in every way, shape, and form to share Christ with him and did. And he got mad at me because <laughs> he didn't want to hear it. So I have no idea. And even even in his last breaths, I said, Dad, listen to God. He wants to forgive you. Trials are difficult. and, And we could either allow them to shut us down or we could remember in the loss that God is using it as a point of opening us up to him gain something so much better. So much better. One another, one another is is about is about friends and people and examples and and how it it's so easy to find Jesus when you see someone else in their difficulty finding Jesus in their difficulty. I look at, at some of my dear friends, some of them I even went to, uh, went to a Christmas dinner with uh, just a few days ago, uh, the Hesters, and some of the troubles that, that Sherry has faced just in her health. And, and they are constantly, in the midst of their trial, going to Jesus and expressing that to everyone who talks to them, whether it's on Facebook or on phone or whatever, And I get encouraged by that. I remember, oh, yeah, I don't have this kind of trial, but I can learn from this trial. I can learn from somebody else's trial to go to Jesus, to go to Jesus. And revelation, revelation. This is just kind of a redundancy, but I just have it in there because I, I just can't tell you how important it is to just allow God to open your blind eyes every day. Let him open your blind eyes and don't leave until he does. Just like that parable of the woman that is just coming to the the wealthy man every hour. Please help me. Please help me. Please help me. You go to God. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me because this is the essential that I need for my life. Let him reveal himself to you. This is not rocket science. This is not something that I can do and you can't because I'm a, a, a kind of spiritual person and you don't feel like you are. That is a bunch of bunk. Everyone has the ability to be able to go to Jesus and receive from him. Everyone. Jesus died so that we can all receive the life that he has for us. And so you have that opportunity too. Learn to hear with spiritual ears what he has for you. And then worship. It says that Mary, although she did not understand, she treasured these things up in her heart. And I tell you as a worshiper, someone who worships practically every day, spending time just praising God for who he is, let me tell you that that is the anchor of my life. It is the anchor of my life To be before God and tell him, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of how I'm feeling, that you, God, you are worthy. You are king. You are mighty, God. I'm sure I look like an idiot if someone watched me in that room, but I tell you, God does not think that. And I don't watch. <laughs> I do my best not to watch or listen <laughs> since I don't have a very good voice. But I do it because I love God and I know that when I, when I worship Him, when I treasure Him in my heart like Mary did, there's something profound and special that happens. So let's, let's have the, the, um, somebody come up to play. I don't know who is, but we're gonna, we're gonna close just with just a few thoughts. Are you getting this? Good. Mary and Joseph were the closest relationships to Jesus that you can have, yet they lost him. The temple was the most sacred place in the world built by and for the word of God. And yet the word of God was lost there. Mary and Martha were the most intimate of friends in the most intimate of settings. And yet Martha did not get it. Martha lost Jesus. What I'm trying to say is is that no matter how long or short you've known the Lord, or maybe you have not known him yet, it is easy to presume his presence and not be there to experience the life that he has for you. But it is just as easy to have the life and to go to him and receive that presence and to find Jesus. As a pastor, I fight for these things all the time. I take for granted my relationship with Jesus like Mary and Joseph I expose myself to the word of God without allowing it to transform me. I fall into a slave works mentality because I forget that Jesus died on the cross and it is by grace that I have been saved and the only thing that is necessary is to be at the feet of Jesus Christ. I do not have to do any work. Isn't that awesome? But I forget it. every trial every change every challenge has the potential to help you get closer to Jesus seek him this is what you really need to do I'm going to close with this scripture in Philippians 3, 7 and 8 it's not up there so just listen but whatever it was to my profit, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain in Christ. Lose everything for the sake of Christ this year. Lose everything for the sake of Christ. To gain Christ. Don't lose Christ. Gain him by losing everything else. Nothing comes close to God himself in your life. Nothing. Nothing is of value. I didn't read the part before, but Paul listed out all these great positives in his life, all the things that he has done, all the good things, and he says, it's all nothing. I counted all loss for the sake of knowing Christ and gaining him. And today, you can choose that in your life. We live in a culture where, even in a Christian culture, where we think we can do these both things together. We could gain Christ and we could also gain these things. But what that does is diminish what God wants to do in your life. Can we stand right now? I just, I just wanna encourage you and challenge you right now. That there might be things in your life that, that God's identifying right now. Just have your eyes closed as we're praying. Maybe he's identifying things right now that are obstacles. Obstacles to gaining Christ. We're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about gaining all of what God has for you. Do you guys want that this year? Do you want all that God has for you? Then lose everything else for the sake of Christ. Lose it that thing that is too important to you, that job that is too important to you, that person who is too important to you. Place Christ above that person, way above that person. That hope or that dream that you have. Now I feel like I'm speaking something that the Lord is saying specifically for some people in this room. That that you have a hope or a dream in your life that is above having the presence of God in your life. Count it loss for the sake of gaining Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Lord, we just come before you right now. We thank you that you are our savior. You are our everything. Lord, thank you that we do not lose our salvation, but it is true that we can lose your presence. And Lord, we want to contend for it this year. We want to contend for it. We command our souls this year to contend for it. Is that something that you desire? Something you you want to pray? Lord, we pray that in Jesus' name.